Welcome to this week's episode of Atlantic Tales when we visit Kilbaha Gallery, which stocks works from some of Ireland's best-known contemporary artists. We'll hear from owners Liz Greehy and Ailish Connolly and also meet resident artist Vincent Killowry. Kilbaha Gallery is a contemporary art gallery known the world over and located on the wild Atlantic Way not once but twice. If you travel the road from Kilbaha to the Loophead Lighthouse, you'll have to pass the gallery a second time on the way back. Owned and operated by local woman Liz Greehy and her sister-in-law Ailish Connolly, Kilbaha Gallery will celebrate its 10th birthday this year. Ailish is married to Liz's brother Seamus Connolly, one of Ireland's best-known sculptors. Originally from Dublin, Ailish credits her mother for introducing her to the arts at a young age. My mum, I suppose, really instilled a love of art in all of us when we were younger. Growing up in Dublin, of course, we had access to every gallery and they were free. So on a Sunday, you know, it was the Natural History Museum or the National Art Gallery or going and seeing an exhibition. My mum loved the art, so I suppose I had a, an interest in it. I loved, when I was doing in school, loved studying art, doing art history, and then, you know, life takes over and you move on with your life. But I suppose that seed of loving art just was always there. I was told about Seamus before I actually met him, and I heard he was an artist, so I suppose maybe there was a beeline to find out more about him then, you know. But what brought and you to beautiful West Clare? Oh, Seamus did, yeah. I met him in Dublin, and um, we were both working in car sales. He had taken a brief one year out of his career and um, and I was loving selling cars at the time and we met there and very quickly he came back with the foundry he had to come back there was a job on and shortly behind I followed him or stalked him whatever way you want to put it <laughs> he probably, probably says stalked but your first impression then of the Lupet Peninsula I fell in love with Kilbaha before I knew this is where he lived actually and I had come to Clare on my holidays before I even met him I, I had a real love of Clare and it is funny I, I do not know an awful lot of Dublin people and I think maybe it's more about the Clare people that we feel so comfortable and that you can move here and you're embraced as part of the community and you're welcomed as part of the community and the best thing about living in Kilbaha is definitely the community. It's, it's like no other, you know, Luped is, is an inspiration. I'm work a part of a couple of committees and I'm privileged, I suppose, to have my ear to the ground with some of the other committees like Luped Together and they've just got Luped zoned as the decarbonising zone for Clare. So the work that's going on is pioneering and it's mind-blowing what a tiny community can do at the end of Ireland. And it's a very inspirational place, very female-driven. And I suppose, you know, that inspiration is around you. So I suppose it's no great surprise then that myself and Liz felt confident about opening up an art gallery at the, end, obviously true at the end of nowhere. <laughs> end of nowhere, but in the most scenic part of the world. Yeah. And obviously true Seamus, you met Liz. Oh yes, yeah, my sister-in-law. So we, 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 yes. this was definitely, I, I couldn't have dreamed that this would be my life. You know, I couldn't have dreamed it. And I suppose that's the power of two um, between myself and Liz. It seems to have worked out. And this year, on the 4th of July, we'll be celebrating 10 years in business, which will be amazing. <laughs> so we opened the 4th of July, which was Independence Day, and we felt that that was a good omen. And, and 10 years on, you know, we we're, really we're are blessed with our customers, blessed with the people we meet, and privileged to sell the art that we do and the creativity that surrounds us every day. And I think if you're not an artist, Maybe you can appreciate it more because I'm in awe of the work that's here. Constantly shocked and surprised and delighted. And as I said, it's a privilege to be surrounded by such creativity. And then people who walk in, they love art. So, you know, it's a win-win. Do you think that if you didn't have the interest in art that you mentioned going around to the galleries in Dublin, if you didn't have that interest in art at a younger age, would you be in this business now? I don't know. I think that in one way I know nothing about art. I could never tell you, you know, what will sell and what, wasn't, what doesn't sell. But like every woman, we know what we like, we know what we don't yes. like. And it's as simple as that. 
you know, it's you walk in and you'll say, I like that, I like the look of that. And that's all it has to be, you know, that's all it is. Yes. At the end of the day. It's uh, chalk and cheese comparing selling cars and selling art. It is and it isn't, you know, if someone walks into a car garage, they've already made a decision to buy a car. So maybe it's the same for an art gallery. <laughs> maybe they already, you, you know, you already know before they walk in the door if they've made a decision to walk into one. But we've gone, I suppose, out of our way to make this gallery very accessible. You know, we sell handmade soaps from the Moher Soap Company. We would sell a lot of crafts, a lot of local produce as well. And I suppose we didn't want anybody ever to feel under pressure. So you can always come in and buy a candle and a card and, you know, pick up a little piece of pottery. We try not make it, you know, inaccessible. Art should be accessible to everybody at all ages. The location then, it's near your in-laws, family home. Yeah. Was the plan always to have your gallery here? How did all that come about? Well, th that's actually the most amazing story. This building that we're standing in today uh, was Henry Blake's um, house, Henri de Blanca, the last native Irish speaker here, a blind craftsman and storyteller. And um, this was the house I think he was born into and then moved next door and this became the craft studio so the energy here was always one of creativity always one of craftsmanship and i think it was the perfect place and there's not many galleries in the world you can look out the door and see the atlantic and the shannon at the same time yeah from the front door if you just yeah. look there you're looking right down on the shannon and straight ahead obviously you're looking right out on the atlantic so it's an incredible place it was the perfect place to have the gallery, although you're really in the middle of nowhere. The end of nowhere. People can come in here, but a lot of your work, of course, is online. What do you remember of coming to that decision with Liz to open your own gallery? Well, it was a fantastic one. Liz said, we do it together. I said, yeah. So it was as simple as that. We had done a, a grow your own business course. We had written it all down. The dream and the minute it was said, it was reality. You know, it was, it was going to happen. And myself and Liz, I suppose, we were very lucky that we really had a very strong vision of what we both wanted and what we both wanted was the same thing. So there was never any, any discrepancies between what we wanted, the overall vision. And I suppose the core of it is Liz was born into a house of artists, was surrounded by artists, grew up in it. Her, and obviously I married her brother, so by virtue of that, you know, you know, it's a very special place, it's a very special energy. And with technology and internet, now it is shipping all over the world. This year we've been lucky enough to ship to Australia, Namibia, New Brunswick in Canada, which was one of our biggest pieces. It was a Carmel Madigan piece that went off to there. And we are shipping art all over the world. And that's thanks to the team that we have here, you know, myself and Liz, Michelle and Rosie, um, we're blessed with the with the team here and we try our best to represent our artists and to photograph it and sell it whether it be on TikTok or Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, you name it. We're working 24-7 really on an online presence. It's fantastic when somebody makes the effort to come all the way back here. But you know, you, you can buy art anywhere in the world from us and that's sort of incredible. And the first day deciding on the building, but walking in the door and seeing four empty walls. Where do you start? Oh, demanding stuff off builders, what they say is unrealistic and that can't happen <laughs> and roofs can't float and, you know, you're... you're <laughs> yeah, yeah, I suppose notions, but... Uh, so got know. it built, got it ready, and then you have to fill those walls. There was no problem. Listen, we never needed to look outside the county. Now we have artists from all over Ireland that we were lucky enough to represent here, but we didn't have to look far from Kilbaha to be able to fill the walls. I think we have over 50 resident artists here at the moment. And, um, you know, our biggest problem is we don't have enough space. If we had somewhere 10 times the size, by God, we'd have a filled in the morning. There is so much incredible artists in Ireland every sort of skill from sculpture to mixed media to wood carving to acrylics and oils and everything in between we are so lucky in this country we have an abundance of talent and you know if you're in a privileged enough position to have some of that talent around you you know 
it doesn't make you feel inadequate it makes you feel empowered and special and you know it's just it's a privilege you mentioned the connection of course with the foundry and your husband Seamus is the sculptor over there sculptures are a big part of what you're doing here as well yeah absolutely we're in a very lucky position with the foundry across the road that we have access I suppose to a lot of sculptors who get their pieces cast across the road from Adam, Siobhan Bulfin, Claude Redden, Shane Gilmore, Adil, like to name but a few. We're very, very lucky to have that um, here. And again, having the online presence allows us to show the sculpture to a huge audience. You'd be shocked at where we've sent things. Like, uh, I suppose last year we were very, very lucky. Uh, we were contacted by the by the Crown, the Netflix series The Crown, and they bought an original bronze of James Joyce that Liz's father, Jim Connolly, had sculpted. It was a miniature bust. And it was in the opening scene of, I think it was season four of The Crown, and they actually opened the, the, the season with that piece that was bought from here, made here. So the makers of that TV programme found out about you, <laughs> yeah. came to you looking for a bust of James Joyce and they used it. We have to supply it straight away. The only problem Incredible. was we weren't allowed to talk about it for a while, but apart from that, it was, <laughs> it was top secret. And of course, you, you run the risk of never knowing if it's going to be used or not. Uh, at the end of the day, it was just a prop, but it was a prop. It was an original piece. It was a bronze and it was cast here and sculpted by Jim. So you never know. Um, so you were glued to the series. Well, I was glued to the series anyway. Yeah. <laughs> but it was it was an incredible it was an incredible one of those things that happen and it happens a lot. I always think there's there's magic on loop head. There's ley lines that cross here and uh, somebody told me yesterday that it was maybe it's the ley lines that go between the Skelligs and Scattery Island and they have to pass right through this building yes. in order to pass. So I think there is there's magic here. There really is. Kilbaha Gallery co-owner Liz Grehe was born and raised on the Loophead Peninsula. Her father is the renowned sculptor Jim Connolly, who first began a bronze foundry in Kilbaha in the 1970s. Liz's brother is Seamus Connolly, another of Ireland's finest sculptors, so she grew up in a family of artists. I grew up here in Kilbaha, on the beautiful Loophead Peninsula. I would have moved away for periods of time, of course, but when I met my husband, Mike, who's an Ennis man, Mike Grehe, we decided that moving back to Kilbaha, certainly for you know our visions of raising children, it was how we wanted to do it. Um, so we moved back home, and we've been incredibly happy here now for the last kind of 20 odd years. So I grew up in a family of artists and I suppose that's where the gallery comes from. In that sense, my dad was a sculptor, Jim Connolly, together with my brother Seamus, who kind of followed in his footsteps down the line, they built a bronze foundry here on the peninsula. So I, I suppose it was growing up in that environment of creativity and, and doing it for yourself. There was a very strong ethos of working for oneself and forging your own path in life. When we were growing up, uh, we were surrounded by that. And I think that definitely would have inspired me going forward as well. But setting up here in Kilbaha, it's still, as I was saying to Ailish, it's the middle of nowhere. People wouldn't expect you to establish a business in, it is a beautiful environment, but it is very remote. I think one of the real driving forces for Ailish and I, when we talked about this initially, was doing it for ourselves, but em empowering ourselves to raise our family and work from the peninsula. And that was always going to be a bit of a challenge, but it was a tourist area, so we kind of thought, you know, we would have, if nothing else, we would have a tourist trade if we set this up. But there was, I suppose, the passion behind that, again, came from wanting to promote and push the huge talent and creativity that we knew that wasn't just around us here in the peninsula, but was farther flung as well all over the country. And if we could have played some small part in that, we, would, we were thrilled at the, the idea of that. So coming together, I suppose, myself and Ailish, we had very similar vision for everything that happened here. And to this day, we still have nearly 10 years on, we still have the same kind of similar vision for how we wanted things to work out. And we're very, we feel on a daily basis, very blessed to be surrounded by such incredible talent in this gallery. Every day we walk in here to work in the morning, we flick on the lights and you get a little sense of that flutter in your belly of 
just wow it's extraordinary and being a gallery you know things move so stuff new pieces come in and pieces go out and that's the very nature of it that there's this constant flow of creativity coming in and going out so every time you flick on the lights you are almost seeing something different and it's something new and Ailish has the merchandising eye you know um, I don't really have that but Ailish has that so she will move things around and make them look beautiful so I always tend to get a little surprised when I come in because it's not me, perhaps, that's doing all the moving. So I always tend to get that little flurry of excitement. And do so you move I stuff? I feel lucky. Do you move stuff and Ailish puts it back? Um, well, you know, <laughs> if, if I tend to, to double, double check first because I'm not, I'm not always the most... I, I feel I know when something doesn't look right, but I can, can't always envision how to fix it. But whereas Ailish will come in and she'll just work her magic and it'll look amazing. Um, but then she's working with amazing pieces, so you yes. know she has that to her advantage. Uh, yeah, we feel very lucky. And you're day. talking about pieces might arrive in, and it might be from Kilrush or from some part of Ireland. But when it goes yes. out, it could be going to Australia or Canada. Absolutely. So I mean, we're we're blessed as well to have a huge online presence, and I think you know that's probably been a bit of a game changer for us here in the gallery. When we started first, we were, as I said, we were leaning heavily on. I suppose the tourist trade, uh, which we still do, and we've got an amazing uh, community here and, and a wonderful draw in the lighthouse up the road from us, literally only a couple of kilometres up the road. So we're, we do have a passing trade and that's magnificent. We couldn't survive without it. But for the shoulder months, we had to think on our feet. And I guess, I, I think COVID in many ways pushed us into that in a way because we had to close our doors for a period of time and it really pushed us onto our online business. So in many ways, you know, art is, it's, it's the kind of thing you'd wonder, would people buy it online? Because it's something most people would like to see in person first, but because we spend a huge amount of time and effort, um, we have a fantastic photographer, Rosie Prendeville, who's been with us since the day we opened. We spend a lot of time making sure that the photos are, are beautiful and that they're well-placed and that people have a sense of size and scale and that they feel that they're in front of the piece. And I do think that plays to our favour. So we have a, a great online presence, a website built by an Innes company, actually, um, Acton BV. We're incredibly proud of it. And you know, you can't rest on your laurels. Running an online business certainly requires a huge amount of energy and time and effort. It's not simply that you build it and they will come. You do have to remain in front of your target audience in as much as you can. And there's an element of work in that. We enjoy it immensely. And there's a real buzz around knowing that you're representing an artist and you're getting their work to all sorts of corners of the world of Europe, of America, Australia, Africa. We've we've literally we've touched an awful lot of countries at this stage. Yeah. You have quite a number of resident artists. People can go on the website and see who they are. If someone walks in the door here this morning, what can they see? Just an example. Yeah, well, if, if someone walks in the door today, we have, at any one time in the gallery, we have approximately 50 resident artists, which is a lot for a small space. And we're very proud to have artists from Loophead. We have artists from the wider county of Clare, of course, and artists from all up and down the west coast of Ireland and, and all over the country. So we represent a wonderful selection of professional creative people from sculptors to painters, artists who are working in oils and acrylics and mixed medias and I mean as you look around us here today we've got Adam Pomeroy who works actually with, with Seamus in the foundry and is an extraordinary artist and an extraordinary sculptor so he turns his hand to both and has work hanging in Ennis Cathedral actually if anyone wants to see it, the most beautiful uh, painting of the Annunciation as you walk into Ennis Cathedral, that's done by Adam. We've got Art Carmel Madigan here on the left hand side, we've got Danny Vincent Smith who comes from West Cork. We've got Heidi Wickham, who's from Sligo. We've got Rebecca Van Can, who's up in Kilkenny. We've got so many incredible artists in the gallery. It's, and the Ennis-based artists we have actually, we've a fantastic, I'm just looking at him here, is Vincent Calowry. And Vincent has really was, I think he's been with us pretty much since the day we opened. And we're always kind of blown away by Vincent's ability to put things on canvas. You know, he's, um, he's an artist in the kind of truest sense of the word. So as a local artist, we're very proud to have Vincent. People might be aware of his work without even knowing it because he actually spent a lot of his career producing stamps for On Post, the heritage ones, the beautiful little illustrated and painted actually stamps for On Post. So he has a whole underground following of uh, 
stamp collectors, I believe. But no, a marvellous guy. And we've, we've lots from all over the country, but yeah, very proud of our Clara artists. And do you find, Liz, that artists want to come to you, want to be part of the whole Kilbaha Gallery story? Absolutely. As you can imagine, Pat, we're 10 years here now, so we're established, we're well known. And because of that, of course, we get a lot of artists coming to us. And as a gallery, a contemporary art gallery at that, artists are the lifeblood of our business. You know, we wouldn't be here without them. That's it. We're always on the lookout for new artists. So there's no two ways about that. But the fact that by the very nature that our building is small and uh, it's a small family business, space is limited. And so, you know, by virtue of that, we have a waiting list. And what we tend to do is we would kind of come back and forward into the waiting list as places kind of organically emerge. But what we do find is we, uh, we find an awful lot of artists who are particularly artists who are emerging. They're kind of dipping their toes into this perhaps for the first time and they will ask us for advice. And over the years we've had, uh, we've had a lot of questions and we realized, Ailish and I actually, that there was a huge information gap, if you like, in the industry. So artists who wanted to dip their toes in it, they weren't really sure where to go. And, and in this industry, there's, it's like a minefield of different directions that you can take, different paths. And also almost a, a myriad of kind of unwritten rules, if you like, and, and how are they supposed to know them? So growing up in a family of artists, I was really conscious, Ailish and I both were, that a gap needed to be filled. It wasn't fair that they didn't know. We have, in that vein, created an ebook. So it's the first of its kind, we think, in the industry at this stage because it's the first that has been written from the perspective of a private contemporary art gallery. It's aimed at artists who are emerging into the field or even those who are established and just want to kind of learn a bit more. Um, and it gives a huge amount of information to kind of get yourself uh, not just gallery ready, but actually to almost gain autonomy, more autonomy over your own career path, to highlight the different directions that an artist can take. And that's due to launch later this year. So we really feel and we hope that that will give rise to even more artists taking control of what direction they go in. So what does the future hold for Kilbaha Gallery? What does the future hold? Gosh, it's hard to know. I think Ailish and I have plans. We have plans in a couple of different directions. But, you know, whether they'll come to pass or not, who knows. I think the ebook is the next big thing for us in one way because we really want to help and to give that information back. We feel strongly that galleries in Ireland across the board should be as connected an industry as possible. There certainly was, I guess there has been a feeling that galleries are a kind of closed shop in a sense to artists sometimes and that shouldn't be the case. It's very much a case of finding the right gallery for you, I think is the key. And we have a very, we're lucky to have a great relationship actually with all lots of galleries. So we would be of the opinion that we would love to see that kind of a connected industry grow what part Kilbaha Gallery plays in that, I'm not sure, but we'll continue to do what we do and selling art is probably where our strengths are at the moment and hopefully we'll go from strength to strength doing that. Coming up, we'll meet Vincent Kilowry, a painter and tutor and one of Kilbaha Gallery's resident artists, whose other work includes the artwork for dozens of stamps commissioned by Unpost. Welcome back to Atlantic Tales. Already today, we've visited one of Ireland's best-known art galleries and it's based here in County Clare. Kilbaha Gallery, owned by Liz Greehy and Ailish Connolly, will celebrate its 10th anniversary later this year. In that time, the gallery has sold works all over the world. The gallery boasts a list of some of Clare's best contemporary artists, including Pauline Dunleavy, Carmel Madigan, Mary Roberts, Philip Brennan, Ruth Wood and Shane Gilmore, but also many others from across Ireland. Born in Ennis but now living in Dura, Vincent Kilowry is a full-time painter and tutor. He studied fine art painting and printmaking in Galway, but his background is varied and includes not just painting but also engineering and flying. Growing up, Vincent was always able to sketch and draw, 
but as a younger man, he had a single passion. All I ever wanted to do was fly. I just wanted to fly. From a young age, I like flying kites and neighbours of ours used to fly frisbees, just to throw frisbees yeah. and did, do, did it really, really well. And that used to amaze me how they could throw it right up in the air and, and it would come back like a boomerang and catch it and stuff like that. And um, I had an aunt in England and she sent me a balsa wood model, a kit. And you couldn't get them in, in, in Ennis or anywhere really in Ireland in the 70s. So uh, my brother, my older brother John, helped me build it. And uh, that was the first model plane I ever had. And um, yeah, it was you know, stick and tissue and rubber bands and it flew reasonably well and then it broke and <laughs> got repaired and broke again. And eventually then I started making my own from, you know, the really light laminate timber yeah. on the backs of wardrobes. One of our wardrobes got stripped down slowly but surely and uh, <laughs> that became a lot of model gliders and things as well. And uh, so yeah, you were creative with your hands as I well. I loved so. working with my hands, yeah, always. And I was comfortable, everything from I suppose it starts with Lego and Meccano yeah. and stuff like that. But then I just wanted to make my own things, you know, so between modeling clay and plasticine and building model planes and stuff like that. And of course the Airfix models and stuff. So there was always an interest there, you know, so um, it was really making and creating was where I was comfortable. So were you a regular in Tierney's to pick up the next yeah. model plane? <laughs> we, we all were, I think. Yeah, uh, any toy shop or gift shop or whatever I could get hold of a model. Tierney's and I suppose McMahon's at the time as well had modelled yes. kits and things. Yeah, it introduced me to, you know, building models and painting them and, you know, I just enjoyed the downtime. It was great to switch off for the head as well, you know, so... Um, and I suppose when I should have been out getting plenty of exercise in the football field, I was <laughs> indoors doing what other kids would have considered boring, you know, but uh, I always enjoyed it. But that interest in planes and making model planes, you took that very seriously and to the next level. I did. I, uh, I mentioned McMahon's gift shop. Niall McMahon gave me a job there when I was about 12 or 13. I worked just after school, a couple of hours, you know, emptying the bins and cleaning the windows, stacking shelves, that kind of thing. And all day Saturday as well. So I earned enough. I, I always told my parents I wanted to learn to fly. And my parents didn't have the wherewithal and I didn't have it either. So they said, look, we, we're not going to stop you, but we can't finance it like so. I financed it myself and uh, was through working after school when I should have been, <laughs> should yes. been doing my homework. I, I kind of did a lot of uh, stacking shelves and things. But it paid for a 20-minute lesson every week in Kuna Airfield in Limerick. So over the years, it took a while because obviously I was too young to go solo at that stage anyway. But I, I took my first lesson when I was 14 and uh, I went solo just before my 17th birthday. So it was kind of, it took that long to build up 10 hours, you know, so it was a very, very slow, tedious process but very interesting and I enjoyed every minute of it, it was great. And the instructors were always generous with their time, so it wasn't just the time in the air, it was time standing around in the hangar learning from other people's yes. mistakes as well, so it was, it was an interesting time. So Vincent, you were taking flying lessons while you were still in secondary school, yeah. but you had to knuckle down, you went on to college afterwards. I did. Funny, uh, the interest in flying, I was applying for Aer Lingus and, and the Air Corps and stuff like that. Realistically, if I look back, I hadn't hope in hell. My father, on the other hand, saw the skills I had with the art and he sent in an application without me knowing it for art college. That was funny in itself because I didn't know I was applying for art college until I got called for the interview. <laughs> so I got in there. It was the regional technical college in Galway, uh, now GMIT. That was an eye-opener for me because when I got into foundation in Galway, I discovered suddenly that I fitted in. You know, it was, it was suddenly, I was surrounded by like-minded people who weren't into sport, but they were into making things and creating things and loved their music. And, you know, it was just a, a different creative life with different types of people. And I met really interesting people. Some of them are still my friends today. So that was the start of, I suppose, the, the following up on the art side of my life. And uh, after foundation, I did a diploma in fine art in Galway as well. Again, a lot of the same people that I did foundation with went through to diploma level with me. In Galway, the funny thing was, I worked in a, a pub in Galway in Air Square. Kind of, my parents financed as much as they could, and then I backed myself up with a little bit of extra earnings working in the bar. And uh, while I was in Galway, the aviation interest didn't go away because you'd be watching the Air Arden aircraft flying over Air Square every day, bringing the tourists out to the Aran Islands. And so I used to cycle out to Carnmore Airfield uh, just outside Galway. The Galway Flying Club were based there. Through people kind of that I had met over the time in Galway, they knew that I 
did a bit of painting. So sometimes I'd managed to blag a flying lesson for, <laughs> for, for a painting, you know. So it was, uh, that was another kind of a weird thing that uh, I found suddenly people were interested in my art enough to put their money in their pockets and, and pay for one. So um, that was, that was uh, it. Now I didn't get that many, but it was lovely to get a flying lesson now and again that I didn't have to work a week for, you know. Yeah. Um, so that was the start of kind of realizing that people are actually interested in my paintings. It wasn't just me doing it for my own self-enjoyment, like it was, um, there might be something in this. Uh, so yeah, it took quite a few years taking lessons to get the pilot's license. I had finished in art college before I actually finished the PPL exams. So one kind of went hand in hand with the other. The art and the flying were kind of parallel lives that I was leading at the time. And I remember my father saying to me one time to, you know, you have an expensive hobby. You have one that earns money slowly and one that spends it fast. <laughs> Give up one. So uh, I did eventually stop flying because mortgage, children, life yes. gets in the way. I don't have any regrets. I had a great time, but it, it was just that part of my life. You know, I still look up every time a plane flies over. I'll, I'll never grow up, but... Uh, the flying has kind of taken a backseat to the art now at this stage. Was well, it almost accidentally so that you realised that you had this talent that people wanted to buy your art? And was that Very how you much got so. into selling art? Yeah, I think like every kid that draws, they do it for their own enjoyment. And uh, I just gradually started to realise that people were asking me to do different things for them art-wise. And they liked what I was doing myself. And obviously, when I was a kid, I was painting nothing but aircraft. And that went on. And I still paint aircraft, but it's not the only thing I paint. But it led into other interests like steam railways and vintage cars. So it was mostly kind of transport and engineered subjects that I, I painted when I was younger. But gradually then, as I got a bit older, I started to be more interested in the human condition. And I started to paint things like cafe culture and portraiture and kind of group scenes, like my own children paddling in the, the rock pools in Spanish Point. Or, you know, it, it kind of, um, the interest varied. My subjects varied. Now, in more recent years, I love the timelessness of the Burren. So the Burren has become yes. my muse. And um, I spend most of my time painting the Burren now because I absolutely love the place. It's something funny, it was on my doorstep all my life, but as you get older, I suppose it's like when you're a kid, a young kid starting to drink, you're drinking beer, and gradually you start getting fussy about the fine wines. <laughs> and it's like that with the subject matter. I'm kind of, um, I'm fussy about my subjects now. And what I love now is the timelessness of the Burren because you can see a rock formation and you're looking at it, but you realize it was there probably 10,000 years ago and it's there today for us. And yes. um, it doesn't change, you know? So, well, it does every day, but it doesn't as well. It's a light changes by the minute. But the, what you see is what farmers there saw hundreds of years ago, you know? Luckily, as we visited like tourists do, the farmers struggled to feed their cattle up there long ago and I see it as an artist whereas other people will see it as a harsh yes. environment. I look at it as um, a place of beauty, you know, so it's, uh, I'm just lucky that I have it on my doorstep so I, I, I spend a lot of time up there. Around the time I graduated in Galway, it happened to be the like, Guinness Beat Aviation in uh, Tony Ryan. He used to sponsor the Guinness Beat Aviation Awards for emerging artists every two years. And it happened to be the year that I was graduating. A lot of the theme of my diploma show was aviation. So I put my stuff forward for the GPA Awards, as did every other student in Ireland. And I was lucky enough to be shortlisted to the final five on the aviation theme of things. So there were 30 artists selected in the country to, to show that year. And I was one of them and I was very lucky and it was luck. Thankfully, looking back, I had no contacts and or connections. It was just somebody liked what I was doing. And I think I was shocked to be selected. I was, I was amazed. But at the show, the opening, Tony Ryan saw my work and said that he hadn't seen anything like it before. And it kind of, he was interested and it gave me an interest in, in kind of pursuing this further because up until then, I was just indulging myself in what I wanted to be doing. But I started to think more in terms of people are taking notice of my work. You know, there were other things happened that year. There was, a, there was a group of an architectural firm in Dublin, Got Talon and Walker, and they were looking at my work as well. And they were interested in having me do some interior design work for them, 
which was a good start because they showed an interest in the way I structured my paintings, not so much the, the theme, but the way I constructed them with hard edges and kind of engineered lines and things. So I started to realise there might be a future in this. Although some of the jobs, they weren't highly paid or anything like that at the time, but it just showed me that there, there are people out there that are interested in what I'm doing, that I'm not as isolated as I thought I was. So. I went freelance for a couple of years. I graduated in 86 and I went freelance then doing my own paintings and a little bit of sign writing, anything at all, hand-painted stuff that I could do to, uh, to make a few bob. And in 1988, I had my first solo exhibition in Ennis, little gallery in O'Connell Street, long gone now. At the time, again, I was painting aircraft and I heard on the radio that the Flying Boat Museum in Foynes was about to open, that they were building a new museum. And I had, by coincidence, painted some of the aircraft that had flown in, in out of Foynes during the war years. So I contacted the museum and they came back to me and they came to the opening night of the exhibition and they liked my work. So they commissioned me to do a mural for the museum, which I painted before the museum opened. So that was a great break to get because at the time, my wife Angela and myself, we were going out and we, we wanted to get engaged, didn't have the money for a ring. So uh, that mural hit the engagement ring. Yeah, it was kind of a, a funny time really. I was in FOSS uh, doing a, an engineering uh, course at the time, around the time the mural happened. Uh, that was a short course, it was about nine months. And that led into a whole different career then. I went into engineering, I fell backwards into engineering from 89 until December of 2003. I started in a company called Homedica, which is now Stryker. They gave us a start in our lives just around the time we were engaged, hoping to get married. I suddenly had a job, a real job, yes. you know, a grown-up's job that didn't involve colouring in anymore. So my whole life took a, a ricochet in a whole different direction for some years. Just at the time when I was being taken seriously as an artist, but I couldn't make enough money to yes. buy a house or you know, start a life. So when Homedica came along, it gave me a, a, a fresh start. It gave Angela and myself a chance to start our lives together. And we did, and we, um, we bought our first house a couple of years later in Patrickswell in Limerick. And we both worked in Limerick in the early days and uh, we reared our first two children in Patrickswell. And then we decided to move back to Ennis, but I kept my job in, in Limerick. We had two more children since in Ennis. And this is your classroom. So, this is so a, we're sitting in a fine the, space. I built the classroom that we're in now as an extension to the house. Two years after I started the classes, I realized I've outgrown the local community center where I had started. And with the support of LEADER, the Rural Resource Development Scheme, I applied for some grant assistance and uh, cashed in a small pension and some redundancy money and some help from LEADER. I managed to build this studio and uh, I've been in it ever since. So I've been working from home basically since 2004. I have some of the nicest people coming to me and I'm blessed because they're like-minded people from all walks of life, all age groups. It became my main income and it's taken the solitary loneliness out of art that I'm here sharing what I know with people and we have good crack and we have it's camaraderie you know I facilitate I wouldn't stand at the top of the class at a blackboard I just walk around the room helping people with whatever issues they're having with their painting Coming up we'll be back in Vincent Calari's studio in Dura and hear about the dozens of stamps he has painted for Unpost Welcome back to Atlantic Tales. Ennis man Vincent Killari is a full-time painter and art tutor whose life, as he says himself, has ricocheted all over the place. He took flying lessons as a teenager and, while in college in Galway, sold paintings so that he could continue to fly. He worked in engineering before returning to art full-time, opening his own studio and classroom in 2004. Vincent is also a resident artist at Kilbaha Gallery on the Loophead Peninsula, but his other work includes producing dozens of stamps for On Post, which came about by happy accident. What happened was, I mentioned that I had done some paintings of flying boats. I had done some work in the Flying Boat Museum in Foynes when they opened in 89. So some of the 
paintings I had done, we were marketing them in foins as gift cards, just postcards for the tourists. Unbeknownst to me, we had just moved from Patrick's Well to Ennis. Letters were arriving at the old house in Patrick's Well, and now and again a neighbour would forward stuff down, it could be a few weeks. And one of the letters, I thought they were TV licence reminders, because <laughs> you know the <laughs> post envelope, and there were several of those. So, But one of them, I opened it, and it said, um, congratulations, you've been nominated for the Irish Aviation Heritage Stamps. So I kind of, I was looking at it going, how the hell did they hear about me? So I rang them, and I was panicking because the deadline to get back to them had passed. So it was a weekend when my neighbour dropped down the stuff, so I, I, I can't ring until Monday. So I rang in a panic on the Monday morning saying, look, I'm sorry, but I've only just received this letter now. No, no blame to one post. They told me that they had gotten onto the Flying Boat Museum trying to research the achievements of Charlie Blair. He was a very famous pilot in and out of Foynes. Maureen O'Hara. Maureen O'Hara's late husband, yeah. They were trying to find information about the aircraft and the colours of the aircraft and all the rest of it. And uh, the only coloured images that were sent, it was all black and white newsreels at the time, the only coloured images were my paintings. So they sent the gift cards as kind of examples of the information they had. So on post got back to them and asked them, um, have you the contact details for the artist? And that's, it, it just happened by, by chance. You know, it's just, so your uh, first stamp was aviation related? The first, the first stamps were uh, Irish Aviation Heritage, which was right up my street, thank God. Yeah. But not just planes? No, no, I've done a total of 54 stamps. My first ones were those ones in um, 1996. The commission came in and they were issued in 1998. And then the following year, they asked me if I'd be interested in taking on a maritime team. And I have an interest in, I wouldn't claim to be a, a maritime expert. Yes. But I have an interest, and I also have an interest in the history and researching the history of various things. So I said I'd love to give it a go. So they asked me to submit some of my maritime paintings. I, I submitted the, the few that I had. You have a few there of yachts and boats. Yes. Um, so that, like, obviously the listeners can't see these, but there, there are um, everything from the RNLI to Titanic. The island, which is a, a vessel, has been restored down in Baltimore. The Waterford Tall Ships, the Irish Viking heritage, not everyone gets a chance to do this kind of work. It's just, I think what happened really was that I, they were happy with the first set of stamps I did, and they had seen some of my maritime paintings then. They trusted me, they just said, we like the style, so it works well on poster stamps. The difficulty really for me was that um, up until then I had painted maybe, you know, two foot by three or three foot by four, suddenly they wanted a painting that was um, four times the size of a poster stamp. Yes. So the actual paintings are four times scale, you know, one is to four. So my stamps are about four and a half inches wide by three and a half inches down, and yet you still have to get the technical detail into the paintings. So that was a challenge to, to, um, to paint that sort of detail into such tiny paintings. More recently, they've allowed me to do five times scale, which allows me a little bit, as I'm getting older and the eyes aren't as good, and the hands are a little shaky. But their technology must be such the that technology is better, they yeah. can reduce so it. Back in the, in, the, in the 90s, the scanning wasn't as good as it is today. So the most recent one I did was the centenary of Alcock and Brown's crossing of the Atlantic in 1919. Landing in Connemara. And uh, they landed in Clifton, yeah. Uh, they had a bit of an episode on the landing, but they made it nonetheless. Yeah, so that, that was celebrated in Clifton, the, the centenary, in um, 2019. And I was lucky enough to be commissioned to do that one as well, because it's a subject close to my heart. So sometimes you do the stamp, sometimes you do the artwork to go with the stamp, which is, there can be like a first day cover, which is mm -hmm. an image on the envelope for collectors, or it can be a mini sheet, which is sometimes a, a, a larger stick-on piece where the stamp might be perforated into the, into the image or, or taken from the image. So I've done a lot of that type of work. And it's nice because those, those paintings can be done bigger, you know, so I, I can really go to town and put in loads of detail and have fun. And you've done illustrations yeah. for a number of books. How big a part of your work is that? What happens really is I'm, I'm a bit of a, an anorak, so when it comes to research, I get paid for an illustration. If on post asks me to do a, a painting of a Vickers Vimy crossing the Atlantic, um, they'll just say, look, we want to do an Alcock and Brown centenary. The rest is up to me. So I go off then and I do the research, the reading, and I try to find authors that have written books on the subject and I talk to them. Because I'm always afraid that, you know, somebody somewhere with a magnifying glass is going to go, aha, mistake, yeah. you know. So I do my damnedest to avoid that. Unfortunately, that's the work you don't get paid for, but, that's the, but I have an interest in it, so I go ahead and do it. For example, the steam railways. I love steam railways, but I would never claim to be an expert. 
Um, so when it came to painting the centenary of the Dublin Belfast Railway, my first port of call was the Steam Railway Preservation Society of Ireland. And they were brilliant. They couldn't give you more help. They, they just helped every step of the way with information. They, they, um, they invited me to travel on the steam locomotive uh, from Dublin to Belfast. Oh. That was a treat. Yeah. I had to pinch myself. <laughs> I'm working. This is my job. It's, it, that, was, that was a real rare treat. Um, but I've met interesting people because of it. And during the research, sometimes the authors that I'm researching with will contact me afterwards and say, will you illustrate the next cover of our book? Or, you know, so through that, I've ended up illustrating um, books for various authors who have the same interests as I have. Early aviation in Ireland and in Western skies. That's Western, of course. Western aerodrome. Near in, Dublin. Yeah. Yes. More often than not in my game, you're asked to paint the past or sometimes the future, not often the present. Yes. So that's why I love the Burren. It's going to be there whenever yes. I need it. So with the stamps, I'm sometimes painting a centenary or a bicentenary. Sometimes I'm painting something that's about to happen. So like, for example, when the Lewis was just roadworks in Dublin with every dub given out about roadworks. Yes. Ah, the bloody Lewis, you know. Um, <laughs> it wasn't there, but I had to paint it as if it was because yeah. the stamps were going to be issued the day the first Lewis tram was rolled out. So that was a challenge because I had to deal with the architects that were designing the, you know, the little shelters where the tickets can be bought, platforms and how the platforms, how high are they going to be off the tram line, everything. How, how will the cables look over the streets? How are they suspended? What do the trams look like? Can disabled people board easily or will it be a step up or how will it be? So you're painting the future. So I had to paint the future, yeah. how <laughs> it's going to look, which was a challenge. That was a real challenge. But I did my homework and never had a complaint. That the, 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 I sent in seven designs and four of them were used as stamps. Other artwork was used for different purposes afterwards. So that's, that, yeah, and like, again, the historical stuff, the, the, the centenary of the Dublin Belfast Railway, again, you're trying to find out what, what locomotives were running back then. Um, what did they look like? And luckily, the Steam Railway Preservation Society have some of them still running. So I was able to ride the footplate of a, a steam locomotive that ran that line. So they made that job a pleasure, even though it was yeah. still a lot of research. The Waterford Tall Ships, another one, um, the ships hadn't arrived, obviously, by the time, uh, like the stamps had to be issued when the ships arrived in Waterford. Um, that was in 2005. So I had to just find the ships that I wanted to feature and why and give like on post just gives you a theme and then you run with illustrations of various famous ships and they will say well we like this one we like that one we won't use this one you know so I only I could only do three so um, but again it's a challenge because you're trying to find out everything you can about the vessels and where they operate where they're based and you know what they're going to look like on the day they turn up in Waterford so, uh, yeah, and Irish Viking heritage, I mean, you're looking back nearly a thousand years and um, you're trying to paint a ship accurately because, um, you know, you don't want to get it wrong because there's a lot of interest in that type yes. of stuff. So again, I did a lot of homework. Um, there was a replica ship being built called the Sea Stallion of Glendalock. Um, and that, sh that ship uh, was going to be sailed from, uh, was it? Denmark, I think, down to Dublin for the, for the, around the time the stamp was being launched. So that was, again, I was lucky I was able to contact the people, the, the shipyard that were building the ship with traditional methods, and they were able to give me all the technical data, the size of the vessel, um, the type of sails, everything. So the rigging, right down to, the last details, down to the wind vane they'll have on the, on the prow. So by the time the stamp was issued um, and the ship came in, they matched, thankfully. So, uh, so it's not just a case of sitting in your studio painting a piece. There's a lot of research and travel. Yes, in some sometimes cases. travel, yeah. yeah. The toughest travel I had was um, I had a day one time to, to get the information. I was doing the centenary of the, uh, the Rosslair Fishguard um, ferry service. And uh, <coughs> the uh, Stena line, in fairness to them, offered me free passage over and back. And uh, so one morning, very early, I got up and I drove down to Rosslare, uh, walked around, took some photographs, boarded the, the slow ferry, um, uh, went across to Fishguard, spent my day in Fishguard sketching and uh, trying to come up with ideas for the stamp. Um, and then I got the high speed catamaran back that evening, did a little bit of sketching in Rosslare and then drove home to Ennis. 
So it was pretty much a 24 hour round yeah. trip. Um, the crew on both, both vessels were fantastic. I had full access to the bridge, I had access to everything, and any questions were answered with no, without making me feel stupid. And uh, so the, the finished illustrations, um, again, I didn't get any complaints. So it's, I always, I, I suppose it's the fear of getting a complaint, so I try to dodge the bullet as best <laughs> I can. So you over-research if you can. Apart from the stamp work and the books and publications, your own artwork, what we see on the walls here, the Burren, Abbey Street, Nennis. Do you sell the art yourself? Or? I have a website. I, I'm, again, I'm not really the best at marketing. I, I, like, I'm not an expert in business as such. So I do sometimes have the look of somebody calling to the studio and will buy something off the wall. But more often than not, I tend to leave the selling to the experts. And one of the best art galleries I've ever dealt with is a beautiful little gallery on the, the peninsula up at Loop Head. Liz and Ailish are human dynamos, basically. I was introduced to them oh, probably 10 years ago. Basically, I was framing an exhibition for Adam Pomeroy, um, an artist in the Loophead Peninsula. And Adam and his friend Seamus Connolly, another very well-known sculptor in the same area, called out here one day to collect the finished frames. And they saw my work on the wall and asked me who represents me. And I said, well, nobody at the moment. I wasn't really, as I say, I'm not a businessman. I was just hanging them in my own studio. And they told me that there's, they know a gallery that's just about to open. It happened to be Seamus's wife and sister were opening the gallery in, in Kilbaha. So um, they told me one day, just bring up a few paintings and we'll have a look. So I brought up what I had and just said, look, this is what I have. This is what I do. If you're interested, if you want to pick a few. And they said, we'll take them all. So they did. They took them all and basically sold them all. And it's been a great relationship. And uh, it's happened from there, really, that uh, we've had a business relationship now for 10 years. And they've been the best gallery I've ever dealt with, really. Not even in the business side, but as personalities. Just great people to go and visit. You know, it's just a lovely gallery, lovely experience. I'd equate it to, I'm not a dentist, so I won't pull my own teeth. The girls are brilliant at what they do, and when my paintings are done, they go to Kilbaha and they do what they do really well. So I'd recommend anybody visit that gallery, because even if it's only to meet Liz and Eilish, yeah. they'll give you a shot in the arm, <laughs> because they just have this raw energy, and it's just, you walk out feeling great about yourself. You know. So some people might sell their own art, and you sell some of your own, but to have that intermediary, someone to do that for you, they know who might like your art? Yes. And like collectors will, will look online as well. I mean, it surprises me sometimes the amount of people that will find you online. I mean, I, I, I don't, I'm not one of these people that's constantly taking selfies and actively going, look at this yeah. lovely painting I've just done. Look at this lovely breakfast I've just had. I'm not one of those people. So I like to sit in my quiet little studio when I happen to class on and paint. I'm quite happy to let the experts do the rest. It's a blessing to have such a gallery so close to be able to, to do the selling. I know like there are people who have a genuine interest in the artists and visit regularly, but they also have an online presence uh, much better than I would. And there are times they'll tell me, oh, the, the American man has just bought one of your paintings. And it turns out it mightn't be an American man that was walking through the gallery, it was somebody that found them online. So it's sometimes the paintings just wing their way off to different parts of the globe. And thanks to the girls in Kilbaha, they gave me that support. I don't have to worry about that sort of business side of things at all. And you get some satisfaction, Vincent, out of hearing that your art has turned up in America or something else. It, it never ceases to amaze me. I, like, I'm very flattered that like, I haven't had an exhibition in 10 years because I haven't been able to build up a volume of paintings enough to show in, in one place at one time because they keep selling. And it sounds silly, but I'd, I'd love to have an exhibition, but to do it, I have to hold back work. To hold back work, you're denying yourself an income. So it's a cash 22. Yes. So it's, it's something, you know, maybe in the future, I'll, I'll have a show again. But I mean, if people want to buy my paintings, I'm not going to say no. I want to hold on to it for an exhibition. You know, so it's, um, I've been very fortunate that I have people that seem to get what I'm about and what I do. And I won't claim to be clever. I, it's just, my whole life has been happy accidents. There was no plan, you know, it's just, yeah. and that's why everything has ricocheted from different aspects. But even the girls in Kilbaha, I found them by accident through a conversation with another artist. And that's how things have been. But now I don't know what I do without them. It's just the way things go. Happy accidents.